0: Welcome, welcome. This is uh, Gabe Hernandez, your publisher in AIC for Comical Opinions. Uh, we, we're happy Monday to you. It is Monday, October 9th, and we're here to do uh, talk about our weekly newsletter. We're going to jump right into the op-ed. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the ICV2 Comicron numbers uh, that come out on a monthly basis, usually in the first week of the month for the numbers from the preceding month. So the <laughs> numbers that came out this week for October are talking about September, and uh, as expected and as per usual uh we get all kinds of back and forth about the numbers that say things are great the numbers say things are terrible depending on who which particular pundit you want to believe i even get involved in that a little bit but i i try to caveat myself a little bit with those with the analysis just to say this is heavily estimated here's what we're seeing and what we believe is the information that that is useful and valid to take out of that report so some the reason I kind of come at it with a very heavily caveated uh, approach is because honestly, if you look at it from a statistical analysis perspective, the Comicron numbers are, I hate to say it, but from uh, John Miller Jackson's perspective, who's the guy who runs Comicron, those numbers are kind of useless. Uh, That's not to say that you can't extract some value from it, but if you were to ever present that uh, report for a validity test to somebody who is into data analytics, they would just basically throw it in, in the trash because there are a lot of things that go into that report that are heavily based on assumptions. And so the reason I, I, I'm putting this op-ed together is because it, it's my my plea and my warning, but also my uh, just the thought process behind why you're going to, when you look at those common crown numbers and you extract some value out of that to really make sure that you put some heavily, heavily rose-colored filters on it to understand what you're really looking at, make sure that you can really come away from it with an informed uh, bit of analysis. Uh, so if you go into the op-ed, I'll, I actually have a link to this, the most recent report, which is reflective of September 2023 uh, Read it in full you can see all the numbers there and and see what everybody's reacting to but really I want to I want to give some information about why it's what you should be looking for in a statistically valid report why that the Comicron report doesn't really sort of meet that bar and what you can extract from it that it's at least somewhat valuable so it the, the Comicron report and John Mac, uh, Miller Jackson puts all his thought process into if you go to comic-con's website you can see all the assumptions he makes but i want to highlight three in particular that are are particularly telling and, and why you just sort of uh, all of a sudden want to pull back from those numbers and say hey this is no good first thing it's based upon a baseline assumption that the main batman title always makes or comes into a baseline uh average of 100,000 sales per month that's actually not true from a perspective we can't prove that uh, ever since the diamond breakup, or diamond break breakup, but ever since the publishers left diamond starting in the COVID-19 uh, break, uh, lockdowns, you don't get those numbers anymore. Nobody's giving out those numbers. And most likely nobody's giving out those numbers because the numbers are not good or, or they're not reflective of, of uh, positive outcomes. And you say, well, how do you know that if you don't have the numbers? The reason I know that is because if the numbers were great. If DC or Marvel were putting out uh, record selling numbers, they would be bragging about that. They're not. And they're doing as a matter of fact they're doing everything to make to be extremely quiet about their numbers which to me from a marketing perspective w- would tell you that the numbers are not great so the fact that, that that the report goes on a bit of assumption that batman is hitting a baseline of 100 is probably not true it's a guess but assuming that it is hitting those hundred thousand numbers is also a guess so that's that's kind of a, a bad problem right there second it's based on a sampling of data of folks from hundred stores across the United States which is not statistically relevant if we go by the a uh, rough assumption that there's somewhere in the range of about 2,000 brick and- mortar comic stores I'm not talking about uh, flea markets that have a stand or something like that on shops there's to minus a couple hundred, could be as low as 1700, could be as low as, could be as high as 23 to 2500. We don't know for sure because nobody's putting in the effort to count that up. That might be an interesting project if at the time we don't know that. To be statistically relevant to ex- relevant to take a sampling and extrapolate out, you at least as a bare minimum, <clears throat> where they're not even doing that. 100 stores is, is less than uh, half of the base minimum. You want to be, as a rule of thumb, you want to be around 20, percent which would be somewhere around um, 400 stores, roughly. If we if we say that there's about 2,000 stores nationwide, high, obviously. So from a statistical relevance perspective, we're not even meeting that baseline of 10. percent And the third, it, it doesn't. The report doesn't really take into account the things that happen that go or that are around the monthly activities of. Of direct market or the, the local comic shop getting the comics from the publishers things like overships, things like very is like, uh, you know uh, uh, um, Second printings and third printings and wh- where is there a distinction there? So things that may add to those numbers But not necessarily be equate to a one-on-one I sell a comic to an LCS and then LCS Passes through that purchase to a reader that B to B to C relationship is not reflective in those numbers. It just looks at it as a bulk. And that's not always, especially when it comes to variant schemes, uh, because if you do, somebody's doing a one on 25 or one on 100, well, the store picked up <laughs> if comic, even though they have 99 now sitting in stock somewhere. That's not really reflective of the health of the industry. So I kind of specify that you know those are the three areas that that are making big assumptions about how, what goes into the numbers, but at the same time, those three factors, and there's more to it. If you go to the Comic-Con website, there's more to it. Uh, the Those numbers are also flawed in the assumptions that they make. We don't know if Batman's hitting that baseline of 100,000. We sampling sizes of the shops that are being counted in the report is much lower than what you need to be, at least minimally statistically relevant, and far short of the rule of thumb war rule of thumb, which would be around 20%. And then we the report also does not take into account things like first, second, third sh- uh, printings. It doesn't take into account things like variant schemes. It doesn't take into things like overshipping those pieces. So it's not—it's just showing you what's moving out the door, but it's not necessarily showing you what's, what's being sold all the way down to the consumer level. So there's stuff that goes into it, but there—but the stuff that's going into it is based upon flawed or faulty assumptions, if you to call it that. So is the report good for anything? Well, yeah, kind of. Uh, at best, what you can do is you can see month to month how a title is doing. Did Batman go up this month and then go down this month, and did it go way up the next month and did it go way down the next month? Nine times out of ten, that's reflective of the FOC from the FOC orders from the from the local comic shop. That's also reflective of things that are happening w- within that given month or the months surrounding big event is there a big crossover do are they getting a guest writer or a guest artist sometimes those things have impact and you can see trending of, of how a title does from month to month going up or down in either direction uh that's also uh, how the title individual titles compare to each other even though the the difference between them is, for example if If Amazing Spider-Man is number two and Detective Comics is number three, it's not because Ryan V's running around and he's doing kind of a terrible job. But let's say that's the case. Well, the difference between those two might only be sales. So even though you say, well, is doing," there's no sense of scale or scope as to accurately how far apart they are. Is it by a little bit? Is it a lot? Are they almost tied? Or is one second and one is a distant third? We have no idea, but at least you can see that one relative to the other is doing better. Even if that difference is not a lot, at least it's doing a little bit better. So should the report go away? Does that mean is it completely worth it? Technically speaking, no. I, I absolutely would encourage Comicron and, and John uh, uh, Jackson, uh, John Miller Jackson to uh, keep going, to keep doing the report, to kind of keep pushing for those numbers. Eventually we may get them it's highly unlikely, but you never know. And at the very least, it gives you an idea of how certain events, like uh, how how certain uh, external activities, like events, crossovers, uh, guest creators, how they influence a title from month to month. You can see it go up and down, Much, but it's something. Uh, so what I would say is, is it worthless? No, the Comic-Con report is not completely worthless, but it's not telling you what most people are telling you it's telling you. And so you just need to go into that as an informed decision. So that's the update, uh, uh, let me know what you think about the uh, ICV2 comic report. Do you read it every month? Do you ignore it every month? Are you sort of kind of sick of hearing about all the drama and noise around it? Or uh, do you just read it for what it is and, and just kind of <laughs> have a little fun with the noise? One way or the other, as always, uh, like, share, comment, subscribe, and, and, and let, me how, let us know how we're doing, what other... Um, like to see whether it's Q&A or tutorials and just let us know how we're doing it and I'm happy to do do more of those. So moving on to the um, the rest of the report uh, or I should say rest of the newsletter. So this week, as promised, we put out a little tutorial. It's super basic. It's super simple. It's a video about how to uh, how you can sell your comic online. We get a lot of feedback from indie creators that uh, when they're trying to sell the comic, you know, things like creating a, a a store, an online store, or, you know, trying to submit everything to uh, Kickstarter or Indiegogo seems really daunting, really overwhelming. We say, you know, if you don't want to do all that, you don't have to do all that. With a very simple two-step process that's completely free, and that takes about 15 minutes to set up roughly, give or take, depending on how much customization we want to do. Uh, you, you have a, now you have an online mechanism to sell your comics where all you have to do is give people a link saying, if you're interested in my comic here, just click on this link, fill it out, and we'll we'll sell it to you. Uh, it's very simple, very straightforward. The video itself is only about that goes into it in 15 minutes and I walk you right through it. Now, watch that video. Let me know what you think. And if you have questions about that video, if something wasn't clear or you have alternate questions, some some people have already asked, well, can you do it with PayPal versus Venmo or can you do different things? Happy to address those questions. Let me know what you think and uh, and, uh, and hopefully that'll be helpful to somebody who's like that in the future. Also leave a comment down below. Let me know. Okay, so moving on to the reviews for this week, a busy week, and uh, but there's the pick of the week is absolutely no surprise, and you've probably heard about it, but we'll get to that in a minute. So we have uh, Broadleaf number one and IQ, the Story of Isaac Quentin, both indie submissions. Uh, Alice Cooper, volume two, number one from Dynamite, that was pretty good. Uh, Sacrifices number three from Image Comics and Rick Remender, probably uh, one of the top contenders for uh, series of the year. I mean, that thing is really Amazing, uh, the Enfield Gang Massacre number three also from Image and King's Bone number twenty six also from Image. Enfield is another strong contender for comic of the week. Everybody's uh, the Image titles are all hitting all cylinders this week. It's amazing. Uh, we have uh, Vampire vampire Dead Flowers number one from Dynamite. That is done by Sarah Frazetta, uh, daughter of the of the great Frank Fazetta. and he actually makes a cameo in the comics, so that's pretty good. And of course, here's our pick of the week: Transformers number one from Image, done by uh, with the Skybound imprint and Daniel Warren Johnson. They absolutely nailed uh, the homage to the original source material, but giving a little bit of a fresh twist, uh, fantastic. It was a fantastic issue. That's definitely our pick of the week. We have uh, Grim Fairy Tales, Volume 2, Number 76. The Year of Cthulhu is sort of continuing a little bit. Uh, Sheena, Queen of the Jungle Fatal Exams, Number 2. That's going to be uh, the continuation of her uh, research into some mysterious drilling in a nature preserve. Uh, the Bar- Mighty Barbarians, number six, from A Blaze, that is the finale to Michael Morrissey's uh, League of Extraordinary Barbarians uh, issue. That, so that turned out pretty well. The Accursed, number one, from Blood Moon Comics, uh story about a brother and sister team who are monster hunters. And The Devil That Wears My Face, number one, from Mad Cave, that is a uh, 18th century uh, European uh, possession uh, horror comic. So And that, and that was actually pretty movie- a good read if you're into horror. Coming up for next week, we have uh, Creepshow Volume 2, Number 2 from Image. Scorched, Number 22, which is basically Team Spawn, uh, also from Image. Uh, From Dynamite, we have Army of Darkness Forever, Number 1, and we, yeah, that's it. Uh, From Blood Moon, we have Mundus, I'm going to say this right, Mundus Tenebris, Number 1 from Blood Moon. Uh, We have Saint Seiya from Ablaze, that is kind of an expansion of their line. Uh, Project Reese number three from Mad Cave, uh, Bloodborne, Bleak Dominion number two from Titan. Uh, that's from Cullen Bunn, continuing in the Blood Bane, Bloodborne video game adaptation. Scarlet Couture, The Munich File number three from Titan, uh, Van Helsing, The Syndicate from Xenoscope, and Cults number two, also from Blood Moon Comics, and a few more. We're still working on a few titles that are in flux. We'll see how that goes. We have some. Also, we have some Tokyo Pop and Bob Blaze. Uh, manga graphic novels from last week, we need to catch up on. So, we'll probably add them into the into the end of the week as time com- continues. Uh, so, that's it. Happy Monday. It's uh, October 9th, uh, 2023. This is Gabe Hernandez for Commonwealth Pains. If you're listening to this on podcast, please leave a comment and review. Let us know how we're doing and how we can do things better. If you're listening on YouTube or watching on YouTube, I should say, please uh, like, share, comment, subscribe, leave a comment, let us know how we're doing. And if you're reading this on our newsletter, uh, please, well, you wouldn't be listening to us reading on the newsletter. But if you if you read this on our newsletter, please share with your friends. Let people know. Please spread the word. We're trying to do more, trying to do better. And uh, that's it. I am Gabe Hernandez for Comical Opinions, signing off. And you have a great Monday.